Welcome to the Heartbreak to Happiness Show with Sara Davison. If you're struggling with a breakup and you feel shocked, angry, betrayed, devastated, or sad and alone, then this podcast is for you. Best-selling author and award-winning host Sara Davison shares how you too can get on with your life to heal, grow, and move from heartbreak to happiness. Here's your host, Sara Davison. Welcome back to the show. And today, my guest is Kate Daly. Kate is the founder of Amicable, the UK's most trusted divorce services company that enables couples to separate without lawyers. She's spoken passionately in the media about changing the narrative around divorce. And she's been featured on The One Show, Woman's Hour and ITV News. In 2019, Kate successfully challenged the legal status quo, preventing couples from working together on their divorces and won the endorsement of the High Court in the UK for amicable services. Kate also hosts the Divorce Podcast, on which I have been a guest. So I am super excited to welcome Kate Daly to the show. Welcome, Kate. Hi, it's lovely to be here, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited to have you. The guest I've wanted to have for such a long time. I know you're super busy, so thank you for your time today. I know my listeners are going to love this because what you do is going to be super relevant and helpful to them. So before we get stuck into exactly what you do, tell us a little bit about how you came to do the work you're doing. Okay, well, I mean, my own divorce was the catalyst for doing this. I had um, what I've described before as a train wreck divorce. It was just awful. Um, And I guess it will perhaps resonate with people because I had a very um, controlling husband. Um, I wasn't working at the time. So I was a stay-at-home mum, had two very small kids. Um, One of them had just started primary school. The other one was, you know, like a baby. And um, it was just the divorce came just at that point where I was at my most vulnerable. You know, you go through phases in your life, don't you, where sometimes you're really rocking it on top and your career is great and you feel like independent. And then there are other times when you were a lot more vulnerable. And my divorce hit just at that point where I was feeling at my most vulnerable, you know, having just had a a second baby and, and being at home. So it was a really difficult time and it seemed to go on forever because we became embroiled in a really nasty court battle. So we went all the way to final hearing. And just when you think you're about to take a breath and you've got to the end of it, then children at proceedings started. So I was dragged through the family court again. Uh, and that's gone on and on and on for like 10 years. So that experience of being, you know, almost continually um, sort of in that legal system and the experience of it having gone so badly wrong in the first place got me to thinking. Um, and when I just finished my divorce, I was like thinking, God, how, how could I have made such a mess of that? I'm a pretty competent person. How on earth did I manage to, to really stuff that up quite so badly? And the more I thought about it and the more I talked to other people, I realised it wasn't just me. I mean, yeah, you've always got to hold your hands up. But ultimately, I didn't feel it was just me or just him. I think the system had set us on a course that was only ever going to end up in a really nasty battle. And I think that's what's kind of really wrong 
with the the justice system we have for families at the moment it's it just sets you against your ex you know it's partner against partner poor kids are stuck in the middle there's all the ripple effect effect of the family uh, the wider family that it impacts as well and I just sort of thought god there must be a better way of doing this so what what should I have done and I looked and looked and looked and I couldn't see anything and at that point um because of the divorce I'd gone back to work and I was working with a group of solicitors because um, my background is uh, relationships so I'm a I've got counseling psychology background so I'd gone back to work doing some counseling psychology around relationship breakdown and helping people and that had taken me because I'd spent such a long time in the legal system by that point that had taken me to a, a group of lawyers who were practicing what's called collaborative law and that collaborative law experience where you've each got a solicitor and then you sit down around a table and you facilitate effectively um, an agreement. I was working with solicitors, helping them facilitate those agreements. So I was sort of got one foot in the camp already and researching why it had all gone so wrong for me. So interested. I've got my background in counselling psychology and all of those things sort of came together. And I sort of thought, well, there isn't something. Collaborative work's fab, but it's really expensive. If you want to do the collaborative law thing, it's a really great way of working. But, you know, you, you're still talking tens of thousands of pounds each to get to the end of a, a, a negotiated settlement and several thousand pounds if you're kind of outside London. So it just felt like it was a really good idea, but it was really expensive. So I tried to get... Um, the lawyers that I was working with to package things up and to do a fixed fee and to come at it from more of a kind of customer perspective but it's really hard to change the mindsets of legal people and I tried and I tried and I tried and I kept failing and failing and failing and I thought to myself well look it's not the idea that's failing here it's you know the it's the the people I'm trying to implement it with and you know what, I'm going to just go and try and do it myself if they don't want to do it with me. And that's how Amicable came about. But very quickly, I realised that I wasn't going to be able to do this on my own. I mean, my background isn't, I don't have a business background as such. I had no idea how to set up a company or scale something like that. I'd had my own company for a number of years, but nothing on that sort of level. So my uh, one of my very close friends at the fr- at the time was uh, a lady called Pip Wilson and she had an entrepreneurial background and was currently at that point just exiting with a sale of a big tech company so she was one of the founders of that so she had time she had some cash and I ground her down until she agreed to work with me to try and make amicable as we now call it um, you know a brand and a different way to help people going through this situation and my motivation was purely I did not want people to have to go through the experience that I had had. And I wanted to find a much more user friendly, no fluffy legal language, no kind of you have to do it this way because we've always done it this way. No bowing and scraping to the law, but actually just looking at what it meant as a human being to go through this and helping people on that human level. I mean that's that's a real story and and gosh <laughs> sorry it's a long one as well <laughs> no I mean it, it's fascinating and, and you know there's some some of the things that you've been through are very similar to my own path of having gone through and got frustrated 
Um, and it's very brave of you to go into this arena. I mean, the, like you said, like changing the mindset is very, very difficult with the, such an antiquated family system. Mm. Um, so tell us a bit before we get into those challenges. What, what is Amicable? How does it work? What, what is it? Okay, so Amicable is a legal services company. So we're not lawyers, we're a legal services firm. And we help people divorce, separate or co-parent their children. And we help couples. So we are we work with couples. So we had to go to the high court to challenge that we were allowed to do this. So we work with couples. Solicitors aren't allowed to work with couples. They have to work with individuals. We are allowed to work with couples. And we do all of the negotiations around children and finances. So similar to a mediator in terms of negotiating those outcomes, we have we're a bit more interventionist than a mediator. And we talk to you between sessions and we, we get a bit more sort of sleeves rolled up and involved in creating the settlement rather than just facilitating the two of you talking. So we help to get those agreements in place. And then we have a legal team who are all legally trained, ex-solicitors, so people who have chosen to come and work for Amicable and therefore given up their practice certificates. So they're not going to get into trouble by working with couples. So they come and work with us and they do all of our legal drafting paperwork. So just the same service you get from a solicitor in terms of what you can do in terms of creating a consent order or creating a children agreement or whatever it is, just exactly the same, or doing the divorce, um, you know, helping you put the divorce paperwork together. We do all of that, but we also do the more interventionist helping stuff as well. So we sort of think of it as a one-stop shop. Um, we don't work with people going to court. So this is all stuff that's a non-court intervention. Um, we're not allowed to do that. So we stay right out of that arena and our goal is just to help you preserve your co-parenting relationship um, by working in a different way. And we come at it from a more human perspective and we use a lot of technology um, to do all of the repeatable tasks. So that helps us keep costs down and we do everything on a fixed fee and we have packages so you can split fees between you and you can pay over a certain number of months and that kind of thing just to make it more accessible to people because it's a big outlay sometimes um, and so we appreciate that so we try and make it easier to buy and come at it from a consumer perspective so you know like a solicitor you go and then you get a bill and it thinks okay that's not great but that's okay and then you realize you've got to add 20 percent that and stuff we don't do any of that everything is transparently priced and fixed properly fixed so you're like buying a product you're not buying something where we say well it's it's fixed unless you then go on and do a b and c it's all dead simple, dead clear, um, and that's how we work. This addresses a lot of the big issues that I see with the legal procedure because, you know, the whole thing about, you know, billable hours drives me a yeah. bit mad. Um, you know, no, it drives the wrong it... behaviour, doesn't it? It drives stringing out behaviour, not doing this as painlessly and quickly as possible. I mean, once you're actually in it, Nobody wants it dragged out because you're having to send emails to two separate solicitors. That's that's nuts, isn't it? It doesn't. And then there's all the, you know, I don't know if anyone listening, this resonates, but when they copy everybody else in, 
to the email so that everyone else reads it and then bills for reading the emails. Then you've got six people billing you just to read one email that only needed to be read by one. So yeah, don't get me started. That just drives me mad. So the fixed fee is great. I mean, another thing with legal fees that people are listening at, you know, one of the things that I personally found, and I know a lot of my clients, you know, will have experience and I've I've helped them with this, is, is estimates, cost estimates, from a lawyer. So they'll say, right, we estimate that this will cost you, I mean, you know, £20,000. So you think, okay, right, £20,000. Now, but then, you know, I've had experiences and so have clients where it's like, well, actually, we're over that now. Um, They have changed the law so that if you are, if you do have a cost estimate, your lawyer cannot spend your money without getting approval first. Mm -hmm. But you've got to check you know and and I always say to my clients make sure you get that in writing that they're not to spend any money and if they're getting close to that estimate to let you know so that you can cut back so that you don't go over that because I think that is a bit of a challenge so these fixed fees are music to my ears Kate so what kind of ballpark are we talking with this so you know for a for a relatively straightforward divorce yeah you're right it's just madness isn't it when people are you're you're most vulnerable and you're hemorrhaging costs you're having to split up home and make two out of it which is always going to be way more expensive this is the time in your life when you need to conserve money the most and you've got somebody where you're just on the clock I just and you're trying to budget and you've only got a certain amount of money because you've done a deal with your ex and it just doesn't make any sense so yeah so we have fixed fees and we do everything from just a write-up service so if you just want to consent or to written up, let's say you've been to mediation or you've done a round table agreement with your ex, you sat around the kitchen table, you've worked it out. If you just want your agreement writing up, we charge £900. Dead simple. Fixed fee includes that. If you've got more complicated things and you want some help with your negotiation, and let's say you've got fairly straightforward assets, so less than £2 million in assets, one property, we charge £3,450. That's for the two of you to come in. You have up to six sessions. You get you, you do your negotiation and we write up all your docs. And then we've got people with more complicated assets where you still get up to six sessions, but it's a little bit more complicated. So you get a bit more drafting time and that kind of stuff. £6,690. So, you know, all of the services are less than £7,000. And they're tailored to the most common kind of questions and queries and things. We've packaged them up around the most common types of situations that people face. Um, So dead straightforward, dead simple. We can help you with the divorce or you can do all of that without the divorce. So we charge £300 to do a really simple divorce, uh, which, you know, most people can do themselves by just going online to the government portal now. So people are kind of really keen to save some money. That would be my first thing to say just go online and do your divorce yourself it's very straightforward and simple but if you haven't got the time or you haven't got the inclination then you know you can get that done fairly uh, inexpensively I mean, those costs I know you know some people might think you're seven thousand I mean that is nothing compared to the no exactly most solicitor firms want about five grand on account before they've even done anything so yeah. yeah, and you can pay all of those fees over three months and you can split them between you and your partner as well. So it's a much more affordable way. And, it, and I think the most important thing is you know what you're spending before you start. That's per divorce, not per person. Yeah, per divorce, exactly. So as I say, we're a couple service, so you've both got to want to do it. And then you can split that fee between you and over three months. 
yes, I know a lot of my listeners will be coming out of toxic relationships mm. where there's been some abuse, where there is controlling behavior. And I know that you mentioned before there that you came out of a controlling uh, relationship. Does this work in those circumstances? Um, I think you've got to be really careful. Um, I don't think this works for everybody. Uh, and I think we have what we call our red flags checklist. So when we're talking to people, um, we're talking and trying to ascertain what level of, you know, um, comfortableness they have speaking to the other person. At the end of the day, this is a negotiation service. You've got to be able to, we don't have to sit in a room, obviously, because we do everything digitally, but you are going to be have to be able to, you know, find your voice and speak up and, and be able to say what you need. And I think sometimes it's really useful if you're feeling in that vulnerable position, if you've taken some individual legal advice before you come to the negotiation, so you kind of know what your red lines are. But if you're in a really abusive relationship where it's not safe to negotiate, then no, absolutely, you should be seeking the services of a solicitor because they will represent and protect you. They'll, they will represent your best interests um, in theory. So I, it's <laughs> yeah. not it's not right for everybody, but you've got to make a judgment call. Ultimately, even if you go to a solicitor, um, you don't necessarily get what you deserve or what you think you want. And you could have spent a lot more money trying than coming to a service like this, where perhaps with a level of pragmatism, you know, you might be able to craft an agreement. But obviously, you've both got to be willing to do it. That's the key. Um, because we only work with couples. So you've both got to be able to say, all right, for the purposes of this, we're going to be able to be civil enough to each other to negotiate this. We're going to work with a coach and we're going to try and craft an agreement so that we can go our separate ways. Um, but ultimately, you know, for some people, it won't work, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there just isn't much for people coming out of toxic no. relationships that is going to best no. serve them. I'm sure you see this. Yeah, there's... yeah. You go to court and now that's just a cesspit of, you know, corruption on the whole, in my opinion. So, you know, you get dragged into that. And a lot of people in that system, you know, may say they understand domestic abuse, but have a very limited understanding yeah. at best. Um, whilst there are some great legal professionals in there and some, you know, professionals of therapists and things, there are a lot that aren't. And I just find that most of my clients suffer more mental distress from the family court system than they do from the abuser during that time. So it's, yeah. it's really, really difficult to manage. Yeah. To manage. This is I, I, I agree, because you feel re-abused every time you go in and you have to explain what's happened. And that I, I find that really, I have found that, you know, that's been going on for me for 10 years. I found that really, really difficult. And you can get some really good people, like judges in particular, but judicial continuity is rare and therefore you can get a really good judge next time you go up you know next time you're in court it can be somebody totally different who you know doesn't have the training or doesn't understand in quite the same way and also I for me what I think people don't get is when you've been through that kind of abuse it it sticks around forever and I think there's an impatience that oh you should be better by now or oh this is old news we're past this but anyone who's you know been a, a survivor of a um that kind of relationship will understand that you know you don't you don't it stays with you you learn to cope with it you learn to manage it you learn to function but it doesn't go away and when you have to go back to court and it and you're still in that position where 
you are fearful of your ex or the idea of being able to now manage handovers or something is a total anathema. You know, the idea of being in the same physical space as that person is a non-starter for so many people. Um, that, That's you know, a just, lot of what the course well, enforces on you. It says, yeah. you know, they label it high conflict and yeah. then they say, you know, the parents need to try and get on better. What are your thoughts on that? I just think it's ridiculous because if you've been, if you're from an abusive relationship, you've been involved in that, it's not something you can just suddenly switch on. <laughs> Hi, it's Sarah Davison here, the Divorce Coach. I hope you're enjoying this episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. I just wanted to let you know about a free gift I've got for you, which I know will help you if you're struggling with your breakup or divorce right now. I'd like to offer you a free week's membership of my Heartbreak to Happiness online support group sessions with unlimited access to any of the groups during this time. So what are they? Well, these are friendly and confidential online support groups run by my accredited coaches. I've designed them to ensure that you know you're not alone and there is help and support out there to help you cope better. One delegate, Jane, said after her first session, I can't believe how much better I feel in just one hour. Another delegate, Wendy, said, my friends and family are so fed up of hearing me talk about this and now I finally feel like I've found my tribe. I've designed these sessions so you'll meet other people going through similar situations and you'll be able to share your story in a safe space. My specialist coaches are all trained personally by me and are there to offer support and help to enable you to dial down those negative emotions and let go of your ex. So I wanted to make a special offer to all my podcast listeners, which is a three weeks access to this unique support. It means that you will have access to as many support sessions as you would like to attend in a week. And we've got lots of days and different times to choose from. This is a great way to start to take your power back and help you feel more empowered. Remember, as I always say, it's not what happens to you that defines you, it's what you do about it that makes you the person you are. So sign up now at www.saradavison.com forward slash support group. That's saradavison.com forward slash support group to claim your free gift and to move from your heartbreak to happiness. There are levels of abuse, aren't there? But when you've been really quite seriously traumatised by the abuse you've suffered, I, I, I would find it difficult to ever think I'd be able to be in the same physical space as my ex, for example. I just, that wouldn't happen. But, you know, unfortunately, we live in a time where I'm seeing, you know, so-called experts in these fields you know demanding that clients victims of abuse are spending time with their mm. partners ex-partners to to you know improve their parenting skills and to take responsibility and to manage the conflict uh, you know if they don't there's you know severe punishments so it's it's scary what's going on I think it is it is really scary it's it's not good is it but I think like you said in kind of your opening comments this whole system 
doesn't work and we're talking about a small percentage of people um, where there's been abuse but for the wider population it's just as bad a deal isn't it I mean it's not as bad in terms of what they're going through from a trauma perspective but I don't think the current system works for anybody very well there might be a tiny slither of people for whom it does but I don't come across them and I think you know what drives me is to try and keep more people out of court and not to have to be court be the sort of the default space um, for people to go and I'm not sure that family justice as a whole is in the right place. I, I, I personally don't think we're dealing with it in the right way. And I think I think there should be a different way of organising it and for people to access it. So it, it doesn't look like it does now. How, you know, what are your ideas for changing that? Obviously you're doing your thing, but I know you were saying earlier, it's quite difficult to get people inside the system to change their mindsets because obviously they're benefiting massively from this, aren't they? So how do we go about getting those changes? I th- well, I mean, you know, I think there's a number of things. I think there's lots of conversations to have at a policy and political level. So we do a lot of that. And I talk to a lot of people about changes and how we can make changes. My sceptical head says the thing that really changes stuff is volume. So one of Amicable's ambition is to become, you know, the leading provider. We are the top rated divorce service provider at the moment, according to Trustpilot. But we want to be the biggest. And I think once you get volume, people sit up and listen, policymakers, politicians, uh, the people that the judiciary, the people that make things happen. And I think a lot of those conversations are going on at the moment. And I think once you add volume into the mix, your voice is amplified. Um, there's a lot of good work being done by various groups. The Family Solutions Group have got loads of ideas. And one of their big calls at the moment is there should be a minister for this. So to have ministerial responsibility um, for family justice. And I think that would be a really, really good start because the MOJ's kind of main focus really is prisons and probation and keeping everybody safe, which is, is right. But I think a ministerial position that was for families uh, and family justice would be a good step in the right direction in terms of budgetary sway and influence. That would be great as long as that person has walked in those shoes, because I'm pretty sick of dealing with people who are trying to make policies on things that they have no personal experience of. And it makes it just makes it so much harder if you haven't experienced it and you don't understand. I mean, I understand they bring in people like you and me to discuss these things, but (laughs) really it's important for them to understand at a grassroots level. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I think it would be great if we had somebody who genuinely had the empathic reach and the understanding to to really make a change to this space, because it's this is expensive. The way we do it at the moment is expensive. There are various figures banded around, but I think it's around fifty three billion pounds it costs this country in, in, in helping people recover from a broken relationship or a relationship breakup and that's things like the extra costs in pupil premium the extra costs in benefit the extra costs in prison um, services so there is a big calculation and at 51 billion it is 51 billion is bigger than the, the UK's defence budget so there are really good not just moral and compassionate reasons but financial reasons why we should be addressing this uh, and should be making a change because allowing people or forcing people to battle it out and chucking out broken people from 
a system where relationship breakdown breaks your spirit and breaks your ability to work, to live, to have a fulfilling life is is wrong and very expensive. Yeah, and I think the thing that you know, most of my clients, when they have a lawyer and they're going through that process, they talk a lot about the financial costs and you know the, how much that is going to take out of the pot. But it's never discussed the mental strain. And I think that's something that people really underestimate that, you know, this can spiral off into all different things that come up, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're, if you're with a controlling ex, that obviously is going to be, you know, they're going to be gaslighting from the start. So it's going to be very difficult. But even, you know, pretty straightforward divorces, the cost can pretty quickly yeah. rack up, which causes a lot more stress. It causes yeah. a lot more mental anguish. And it, and it snowballs, that. doesn't it? So if you if your divorce causes anxiety or depression, and then you have to take time off work, and then you've had so much time off work, you lose your job, or you feel you can't carry on working, then you're in the benefit system, and it just goes on and on and on, and those things, and then your relationships with your kids start to break down. You can you can start to see how this can really rapidly snowball, and the fact that we are so rubbish at ending relationships in a a way where we can move on and protect our kids is quite astounding really and that's you know that is our mission we are on a mission to change the way people end relationships because I think we're past the point of naively thinking that you know you're going to get married once and it's going to be forever and that's the end of it for nearly half people that get married that's no longer the case and fewer people are marrying so there are more cohabiting relationships and cohabiting relationships are five times more likely to break down than a marriage. So more people are in quite vulnerable relationship situations and will change partners and will have relationship breakdown as part of their kind of life journey. So we have to, as a society and as a nation and as individual citizens, take some responsibility for improving the way we move in and out of relationships Uh, Because particularly with the extension in life expectancy, if you're going to live 100 plus years, 90 years, 100 years, it's inconceivable to think you'll only have one relationship. And therefore, we will move and we need to get better at moving between relationships and thinking about relationships in different ways and how we can move between relationships without causing some of the catastrophic issues that we have done in the past for our kids and ourselves through conflict yeah I think that's really good advice I think we you know it's something that we should all be accepting of we live in a society that things are very changeable very disposable if you don't like something we swap it and and that really has come through to relationships but that's okay there's no you know if, if it's the right thing for you then or it wasn't your choice but it wasn't right for your ex it's best to move on and there are healthy ways to do that so I absolutely agree that you know we need to find better ways to to break up but also to just to get back up again quicker and move yeah. on with your life and feel empowered that okay well you know that helped me to get to this point what's next yeah. rather than focusing on what am I missing out on and being sad which obviously is a lot of the work that, that we do as coaches but um do you think the the change in the law recently in the UK especially with no fault divorce do you think that's going to help move forward towards that outcome I think it's the first tiny step in the right direction, isn't it? It's a welcome change, no question about it. Um, I can't personally see what it's got to do with the state, why your relationship has broken down. The the notion that you're having to tell somebody else why you don't love your partner 
is really weird to me. I mean, you don't stand up, do you, at the register with the registrar and say, right, I love this person because of bullet point A, B, and C. So why do you have to tell a judge why the relationship has broken down? I, it doesn't make any sense to me. So I think it's a real welcome change. I don't think there's any place for blame in a divorce, and certainly not on the level of having one person having to write bullet points about another. If the, if there is blame in the breakup of the relationship, that's a matter for the two of you to talk through and to resolve. And the place to do that is in the therapy room or with a coach. It's certainly not writing on a piece of paper that's submitted to the government. That's not the way to resolve it. So I'm not saying that, you know, that for some people understanding the relationship breakdown and somebody accepting responsibility. I'm not saying that that's not important. I think it is for lots of people, but I don't think, you know, a fault-based divorce is the way to do that. I think there are other way more healthy ways to work through that kind of stuff and to be able to therefore to genuinely move on. So yeah, small step, right direction, loads more to do. So what would you like to see change in the next six to 12 months? What would be ideal for you to help this process? I think there's a couple of big things. I think, the, as I said before, I think the whole system needs an overhaul. That's not going to happen in any short term. But the, I think the way we communicate information about what happens when you go through a relationship breakdown, is really driven by different service provisions at the moment. So you get funneled into mediation or you get funneled into a solicitor or you get funneled down our or whatever route it is. It's about service provision. And that's not that's not very human. When something goes wrong, I want to know, oh, my God, what do I have to do next and what's going to make me feel better? And I think if we started to see it in those terms and I like the I like the uh, relationship centers model that they have in Australia where you can just go. And it's no one's responsibility. So it's not, they're not the service providers. They're just the people telling you about the different options. Because, you know, creating a, a pathway out of a relationship is a real bespoke issue, isn't it? And you want to be able to pull together the right people and the right team and the right process, depending on, you know, how you're feeling, what your budget is, you know, what the complexity of your issues are. So you want to, it's a very individual thing. And at the moment, all you get is a series of like service providers. But actually, I think talking to somebody and putting all of that together and understanding what your options and choices are, I think that's really fundamental. So I would love to see something like that. Effectively, like a triaging service, because at the moment, if you think about it in analogy terms, at the moment, we are literally taking a grazed knee to an A&E department and a surgeon comes down, a fully qualified surgeon to put the plaster on. That's what we're doing. We need to triage properly. And some people kind of a really simple uh, kind of separation or divorce that has to go nowhere near a court. And some people are capable of working it out for themselves with some help and guidance. And other people do need the protection of the court and do need to be triaged appropriately. So I think some kind of relationship centres that gave an impartial advice and that you could therefore triage people into the right system I think that would be a great start um, yeah. I also think adding in emotional support you know yes. would be really helpful in there because you know there's you know do you go this route to get your divorce there's sort of practical legal you know tools to get through it but 
you know, as we both know, it's a huge emotional strain as well. So mm-hmm. having just like you can, you know, have a bit of this and have some emotional support as well, or just go with this or just go with that. You know, those are the things that people, you know, really need. And if the government were funding some of this, it would be great just to have an initial to say, look, you're OK. It's all right. What you're feeling is normal. There's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. You know, we're going into these sort of diagnosing disorders and anxiety and stress and all these things. And, you know, it's usually quite a normal reaction oh, Christ, to a really yeah. tough situation, right? Absolutely, yeah. Something really horrible and unsettling is happening. You're going to feel bad and that's OK. <laughs> and you might need to take some time off work and that's OK. So I think there's a big piece around how employers can support people going through this as well so you know trying to work with employee outreach programs and that kind of stuff we, we're trying to do a lot of that as well because I think if you you know we, we have this thing at Amical where we we bring our whole selves to work so you bring all of your crappy bits as well as your good bits and all of your personal bits and your missed parents evenings or your oh, forgotten I've got to go and do you know all of that comes with us and I think if we if we look at it on a human level rather than a service provision level, I think we'll get a better result and a much better outcome. And for every pound spent, I can imagine you'll get more than one pound back. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, Kate, that's very interesting. And and hopefully, you know, that's given people some, some hope moving forward and some options. So where can people find you, Kate? Where can they find out more about what you're doing at Amicable? So um, the Amicable website is amicable.co.uk and we've got so you can go on there there's loads of blogs and resources um loads of things loads of sort of advice and information we also offer free 15 minute advice calls as well so anybody can uh, ring up book a call and you can talk to somebody an expert that can be about you know the divorce process it can be about financial issues children matters or emotional support so you can speak to somebody um, for free um, and no obligation so you have that um, we've got uh, you can follow me on twitter i'm at kate underscore daily we have a wonderful podcast as well so i always like to say that there's a little group of podcasts out there that are really helpful divorce for divorce so i know yours is brilliant too but the the divorce podcast is um, ours you can download that wherever you get your podcasts from but we have different episodes and you've very kindly done a lovely episode for us as well on all of this stuff so people can hear you again on that so that's one to look out for as well amazing there will be people listening abroad do they have options like this anywhere so at the moment our the jurisdiction we're in is england and wales so i'm sorry scotland and ireland and northern ireland um but yeah so at the moment it's england and wales Um, But what we do also have is a co-parenting app, which is non-jurisdictional. So we have people in over 85 countries that have downloaded that. So you can, if you've got uh, children issues or children arrangements to make, you can download the amicable co-parenting app. Um, That's got lots of kind of patterns that you might be interested in. So, you know, when you're trying to work out arrangements to see both parents. So there's there's some preset patterns because sometimes you don't know what you don't know, do you? And there's some really kind of cool patterns in there that might work for you and your family. You can make bespoke patterns. There's lots of advice on um, how you co-parent, because I think, again, for me, that's one of the big things. Parenting and co-parenting are two really different activities, and there's just this assumption you stop being a parent one day and then you can suddenly magically be a co-parent. But I think 
you need quite a bit of help to adjust that's a very different relationship so there's lots of tips and help and advice in the co-parenting app for that as well oh it sounds amazing okay brilliant now one last question I ask all my guests obviously my podcast is called heartbreak to happiness and I think it's really important to know what happiness is for you so you can tap into it along the, the journey even when it does get a bit tough as we've been talking about so what is happiness for you Kate Oh, happiness for me. I think for me, I'm a, I'm a striver. I'm a real striver. So I'm a restless, firstborn, striving child. And therefore, for me, happiness is that sense of fulfillment from just the smallest things I do that help people. So I just get such a kick. I still talk to lots of customers every week. And I get such a kick when I hear from people who are doing it really well and who've been in that really kind of awful place but have you know maybe they've listened to a podcast or they've done something and they've been able to change something or turn something around and then when they come back and tell me about that I feel such a sense of happiness then because uh, I did it really badly and that still sits like quite a heavy weight on my shoulders and probably will for the rest of my life I don't know maybe I need more therapy but that's that weighs heavily on me so I have to I get my happiness for knowing that I've been able to make a difference for other people in this space. That's that makes me happy. You've definitely made a massive positive difference to everyone listening to this episode. So thank you, Kate, for joining me and for being a fabulous guest. Lovely to speak to you, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for today's episode. Do head on over to amicable.co.uk to find out more about Kate and her amazing work. And I look forward to you joining me on my next episode. That's it for today's episode of Heartbreak to Happiness. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review to win a free ticket to Sarah's virtual Heartbreak to Happiness retreat. This is a transformative combination of live webinars with Sarah herself, coupled with her empowering online video program designed to help you cope better with your breakup and start feeling happy again. For more details, head on over to heartbreaktohappinesspodcast.com, where you can also get a copy of Sarah's gift. Thank you, and join us again on the next episode for another dose of Heartbreak to Happiness.